You're listening to Veg Your Best. There has never been a more important time to be vegan. At Veg Your Best, we're here. We're here to help you limit and eliminate the consumption of animal products without feeling deprived, overwhelmed, or unsupported. Even if no one you know is vegan. My name's Michelle Olander, and if I could go vegan in my 50s, back in 2015, with all my excuses, I know you can start moving in that direction too. Veg your best, and there's nothing you can't do. Veg your best episode 136, Comedy for the Animals with vegan comedian Stephen Marcus Relliford. Welcome back, my Veg Your Bestie. And if you're new, if you're new here to Veg Your Best, welcome. Today's guest is a treat. Comedian, writer, actor, filmmaker, Stephen Marcus Relliford. Stephen Marcus Relliford got in touch with me about a month ago, just before his March 12th performance with Comedy for the Animals in Los Angeles. Now, Comedy for the Animals is an example of mission-driven live comedy, and it features all vegan stand-up comics and raises money for animal-related charities. Well, it was too late to get Stephen Marcus Relliford on before Comedy for the Animals, but today you get a chance to learn about Marcus, as he's generally called Marcus, what it means to him to be vegan, how he keeps a vegan practice going on the road, and the influence he has had on other comics that he works with. And lots more, too. I think you will love getting to know this energetic young man who performs, he writes, he produces short films, he works on at least two different podcasts, and uh, Marcus does not shy away from issues of social activism in his work. Maybe with people like uh, Stephen Marcus Relliford grabbing the spotlight, maybe someday soon, vegans will be known for actually being funny. And don't worry, I will have all the links to learn way more about Marcus's work in the show notes. So for now, just relax and enjoy, and I'll meet you on the other side. Stephen Marcus Relliford, welcome to Veg Your Best. Yay! Thank you. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I appreciate it. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. And I'm glad we finally got together here. It was very nice of you to reach out and talk to me. Um, I have, you may not have known this, I have been hoping to have uh, somebody who has a comedy background on Veg Your Best because sometimes vegans have a, oh, but what do we have? We have a reputation of being kind of, no fun. Right. I don't know why we have that reputation. That's really sad. And I think this is just even more of a reason that we need more vegan or plant-based entertainment and advocacy that is well-rounded. You know, I think because we come off as a preachy or trying to change someone's, you know, beliefs. And I think anyone that has a concept for betterment and improvement is ostracized in a way because you're not going along with the dominant narrative. 
Mm. I know that when I, one of the side effects of going vegan for me was I started to think, oh, what else am I not paying attention to? Yeah. Uh, I think it was like, for me, you know, you get asked a question, what was your reason for going vegan? Was it animals? Was it, you know, health reasons? And I think it was a combination of kind of all those things. I was already leaning towards, I would say, a um, you know, a more constructive and I guess spiritual approach to my life and like what I was encountering and what I was participating in. So I had been vegetarian for maybe two years before going vegan. And even in that two years time frame, I was always still learning and still discovering and still having my ears and eyes open as far as like, well, is this the best that I could do? And um, I think that's probably why a reason why we get so much pushback because there's this innate feeling inside of us that is always asking the question, is this the best that I can do? <laughs> you know, mm. And we're always reaching for uh, clarity in some form or fashion. So yeah, I've been vegan for about nine years now. Um, and I had, I think what got me to like physically change, I guess, over, I had eaten some eggs and either due to me preparing them or salmonella or food poison or however the cookie crumbled, I got really sick and, um, I didn't hold anything down. I was barely even able to hold down water for about a week. And I was just nauseous, having insomnia, shaking, couldn't really focus. And anything that I ate was not sitting well with me. Yeah. And during that time, I just balled up and prayed to plant-based Jesus and said, take the will, please, because <laughs> something else got to be here for me other than feeling like this. So what, what's your journey been like on the on the plant-based and vegan lifestyle? Well, I, okay, you know what, it's funny, it's funny you say this because my earliest recollection of ever even hearing about a vegetarian was someone I have heard your work compared to, and that's Dick Gregory. Oh, yeah. Dick Gregory, I, I was, my first few years in in school, first through third grade was in Chicago, and Dick Gregory's daughter, Michelle Gregory, was in my class. And her dad, I think, I think that was the time he was running for mayor of Chicago. Yeah. And he was a tremendous activist on top of being um on top of being a comedian, but also a socially aware social justice champion. And he was a vegetarian. I remember going home going, what is that? <laughs> so no, cut to much, much later in my 50s when I finally, when everything kind of fell into place. But um it's it's just funny to me when I saw that his name and Paul Mooney's name were associated with the kind of uh, comedy that you do. Yeah. Uh, thoughtful, thoughtful comedy. Uh, I was really, I was really delighted because I've talked about Dick Gregory on the podcast a few times that, that he was like, I know I don't look like someone who was inspired by Dick Gregory. <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, no, you do. Dick Gregory had a, are you, are you familiar with Judy? Uh, I want to, oh man, I'm going to mess up her last name, but she wrote this book called the comedy Bible. Mm, I don't think uh, so. She's a old school vet in the comedy game. Hold on. Let me, oh, Judy Carter, Judy Carter. No, maybe I don't know her offhand. Well, Judy Carter was, uh, a comic Well, she still is a comic 
And she tells us these stories about hanging out with Paul Mooney. And she's an older white woman. And she was like, you know, just being around him and being in that space, she was able to learn so much as far as like how to access funny, where does funny come from? Why do we tell the jokes that we tell? And uh, she always goes down memory lane about Paul Mooney and Dick Gregory. And it's just really interesting because, uh, yeah, I think there's more that we have in common or there's more to the backstory about like our, just our situation at, at large. There's so much divide. But I think in the backstory, once you do get to learn, that divide gets so much smaller. The bridge between us is so much smaller because there's so many examples of people coming together, cohabiting and learning from each other in a constructive manner. And it's just that that's not widely spread enough and it's not broadcasted enough where people can get familiar with it. So, yeah, I mean, you do look like someone who would be <laughs> interested in Dick Gregory. And that's so cool that you went to school with their daughter and you had that early onset uh you know, relationship and introduction to vegetarianism and veganism. That's such yeah. a, such a, and at that time, it probably was just really bizarre and unheard of to participate in, in anything like that. You know, they say it's easier to get man to change his religion than it is his diet. I think, I think we have seen evidence of that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, um, and, and Dick Gregory, Paul Mooney, both, and uh, and you, there's an idea of how can we bring humor. Humor is something that connects people, I think, in a way that many specific subjects really polarize us, especially in this this time and, and date in the United States. We're very polarized as, as, a, as a country, I find. And... Uh, and to find some common ground that you can giggle or laugh, or even if you're laughing against yourself, it's it's just a wonderful thing. And I think Dick Gregory, Paul Mooney, both were people who were masters of that sort of humor. Yes, yes, I agree totally. Definitely some of the, the folks that I uh, admire and, and look up to as far as comedic expression and, and the way that they went about it was just a, such a unique angle. And uh yeah, I feel like comedy has a space to be really constructive in the challenge to status quo. And in that sense, it's, you know, I guess in some cases it could be dangerous mm. depending on who's who's viewing it and who's rating it and who's deciding which comedy is allowed, you know, in a form of censorship and, and not censorship and stuff like that. Yeah. Where are you, where are you based out of? I'm all, almost always on the East Coast of the U.S. I live in Rhode Island, Western Mass, and Florida. Right now, Florida, because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that old, but we're, I'm, I'm moving in that direction. And my yeah, husband, you're looking I, good for wherever you are. You look good for whatever that age is. I, thank I, you. I, I thank meet you. the secrets. My, well, it's veganism, of course. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my husband's Canadian, and all Canadians are just obsessed with Florida. So this is part of That's the uh, part of why we're here. Yes, it's destiny. That's funny. Yeah. So when you um I heard when I first heard from you, you were about to perform uh, a show called Comedy for the Animals. Can you yes. tell me a little about that? That sounded, ma yes. that sounded magical. Michelle, it was probably uh 
You know, as far as this year, I would say it was it was at least top three sets that I've done this year and not number three, at least probably one or two that I've done this year as far as the set from top to bottom was hilarious. It was unique. I got to do material that I typically don't do in a normal room because it was an all vegan audience. And I had such a pleasure being on stage and sharing my perspective around veganism and just where I've kind of the things that I've encountered and the life that I lead being vegan. It was a great experience. Uh, Comedy for the Animals, this producer, there's two producers, Scott and Michael, and they teamed up with Vegan Outreach and Mm -hmm. the Dynasty Typewriter Theater. And it was a fantastic show. Um, It was one of those shows to where from top to bottom, it was amazing. And it just reminded me why I even do what I'm doing. Every now, like maybe every 200 shows or such and such, you get the feeling like if it was your first time on stage. And I had that feeling again, like, wow, this is why I do what I do. And it was great. Like I said, it was it was phenomenal. Tig Nataro, she headlined at the end and she was really good. And uh, a lot of folks came up to me afterwards and gave their appreciation. I had some comedy CDs for sale and I got to sell a lot of those CDs at the end of the, the show. And it was phenomenal. I'm looking forward to doing more and more vegan events. I got to do the St. Louis Veg Fest last year. And uh, that was really cool. They flew me out and put me up in a hotel and I got to eat a lot of different vegan food in St. Louis that they have to offer. I've done, there's a, there's a vegan wonderland in Vegas that happens like once a month. I got to host three of those shows. And um, I've also gotten to do like a, um, there's a vegan events group that does like Halloween parties and they do other things. And I got to host and judge a Halloween costume party a couple of years ago. And I'm just looking to get more, you know, rooted in the vegan performance space. It's tough because I don't want to consider myself a vegan comic. I'm just a comic that is vegan, but uh, I have so much that I would be willing to practice and exercise and talk about and joke about on stage to where I could probably do a whole hour on veganism alone, you know, and I would be thrilled, you know. <laughs> well, is everybody listening? Everybody who's going to be listening to this podcast, you're going to have to make sure that you have the show notes will all contain your links. You have a great link tree with videos and short, short videos and uh, performance and um, your, yeah. oh, and your podcast, of course, your podcast, which is, I don't know, do you call it y'all, <laughs> y'all, I can't. I keep saying it wrong. Y'all had to be here or Y-H-T-B-H. Y'all had to be here. For, you know, for the people who know, we just say Y-H-T-B-H, you know. But yeah, I- I I guess NL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So I typically just tell people, yeah, I'm on a podcast called Y'all Had to Be Here. And uh, for those who watch it, they really enjoy it. It's just essentially for friends shooting the the s-h-i-t around comedy and just having fun about talking about comedy and all of our ups and downs and just 
you know, it's kind of just getting a bird's eye view and, and like a, a fly on the wall seat around comics in LA that are up and coming. And we've all been friends for over uh, six years now. I actually went to high school with Arthur, who's one of the other uh, co-hosts on the show. So we just know each other really well. And now we are trying our foot at some low level touring. We've went to Seattle, we went to Portland, Chicago. And next up we have uh, Dallas and San Francisco on our, on our schedule. And uh, that's really been one of the easiest things that I've been able to do comedically because it's so organic. It's three of my friends were talking on a microphone and essentially we kind of just disguise a comedy show and wrapped it in a podcast format because we've all been doing comedy shows for X amount of years to where we were kind of frustrated, I guess, or jaded or just looking for other ways to express ourselves. And in the scene, the LA scene is, is really cutthroat. You know, there's a lot of talented people who are funny here. And I feel like, you know, uh, within maybe in all business, but specifically in, in entertainment, you know, uh, every space has like their five, 10 go-to people, you uh -huh. know, who they're going to go to and reach out to. And if your name is not on that short list, it's unlikely for you to get noticed or picked up. So we kind of just did it as a joke to ourselves to be like, how about we just wrap a comedy show as far as like four comics going up and doing individual sets at, you know, 10 to 15 minutes each. And then at the end, we'll all four go on stage together as a group and just do like a group set and just riff and just talk and joke with each other, do some banter. And we can wrap that into the concept of the podcast. And now we're getting booked as podcasters to essentially just do stand-up comedy. <laughs> Well, that's great. I mean, that whole idea, if they don't invite you to the party, you make your own party. You make your own party, Michelle. Yes, you make your own party. Because uh, some of the people who weren't inviting you are the people standing outside trying to get in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and maybe you make them wait now a little bit. Right. So are any of the other people vegan? Or are you the resident vegan on, uh, on uh, YTBH? So... I actually helped Johnny Mac in his transition. Johnny Mac moved here uh, from New York. Uh, I want to say like like in 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went vegan pretty much shortly after that because there's another friend of ours. His name is Sunrise. So you can already imagine. His, has to uh, be vegan. Yeah. Yeah, he has to be vegan. He does. He's a massage therapist and a, a conscious spiritual rapper. He raps about veganism and he does a lot of cool stuff. He does a he has a trap chi uh, modality that's kind of like Tai Chi, but he does it to trap music and he gets people together to like slow down and focus on their breathing and do all these other things. And it's, it's really cool. Mm. So me and him had been doing shows together and Johnny Mac moves out here. And I want to say within um, maybe within like six months of him moving here uh, and us always going to vegan restaurants, you know, and discovering what the newest, you know, vegan item is on the street. 
he, uh, you know, eventually came my way. There was no force though. I was never one to be like, you got to read this. You got to look at these animals and da, 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 da. I kind of just wanted to lead by example and just kind of have it more, you know, stress-free about why I'm making these decisions that I'm making. And yeah, he uh, decided that it was best for him to be vegan as well. Now the other two, I'm still working on them. It's going to be a little longer till I get them. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. So you are, you are already probably more influential than I am with the people around me. Cause I, I haven't, I haven't turned to too many people uh, to my, to my side of the road, but they're moving in that direction. I, I have to be happy with that part of it. So tell me when you're on the road, how do you, how do you handle it? Because that's something so many of the people who work with me say how it's impossible when you're traveling for business or when you're on the road or you don't know where you're going to end up. I think, uh, okay. It's, it's, it's two-parted, you know, because, uh, like we went to Seattle and Portland, I'm always interested to see, and I have a, a pretty good network of friends who are vegan now. I'm always interested to see what a new place has to offer. You know, so even before I go, people are already sending me restaurants and tips and, oh, you got to check out this spot and, and look up this person or these people have some really good vegan Ethiopian food. You should go check them out, yada, yada, yada. So I'm actually looking forward to uh you know doing a whole little food run when i move to when i move or i'm, I'm traveling to another city and state but also i mean i'm sure you may relate but as a vegan even though i'm always looking for the tastiest new food that i can find to be honest uh some sauteed spinach is enough for me <laughs> you know like if I get some saute spinach and the right seasoning and, and pepper, uh, I can just eat that pretty much three or four times a day, <laughs> you know, get an avocado. I'm a freak for celery, you know, get some celery, <laughs> get some peanut butter. So it's like as, as decadent, I may like a meal or maybe, you know, my family may say just as crazy as expensive vegan food is. I'm very simple too, as well. Like I've, I've crossed the threshold as far as level five veganism. I've been on mono diets. I fasted, you know, I've done intermediate fasted. I've done water fast and I've even done dry fasting. I've done mono fruit fast where you're just eating one particular fruit for a couple of days. So I can really just strip down my food uh, desires and just be satiated with something as simple as, you know, celery and avocado. And I would, I would just do fine on that. And like I said, I have two friends who aren't vegan and we always get into some type of tussle as far as where we're going to go eat. And that just turns me into a sidetarian, you know, cause now I'm just looking at what all the sides that are available that possibly may be vegan. I'm like, all right, I'll take the beans from here and take the corn from over here and then take the side salad without the dressing and do this and end up making my own thing. You know? Exactly. That's, that is very good advice. And that is, you know, my daughter was vegan and is not currently vegan, but she was. And back in that time when she was young, I, I practiced ordering uh, that exact way to try to help her or model for her, even before I was vegan, to model a way of getting 
a nutritious meal when you'd be places that didn't have an entree that was vegan or anything like that. And you can really make a very, very nice meal out of sides. You can, you can. I think overall, collectively, we kind of lost or let go of our ability to tinker with things and be willing to take risk and cook. So yeah, I think a lot of us are not fully familiar with how to make vegetables, how to cook them, what are the best ways to combine them with what, and even with fruit. Uh, now I, I, I choose my, my romantic partner based off of how well they can pick ripe fruit. You know, if you <laughs> if you can't pick right fruit, like it's not gonna work, you know, because uh like that's just one of my go-tos. I always need some fresh ripe fruit around me that I can get to. And I think collectively, people who aren't even vegan or people who are looking to go vegan, even finding ripe fruit and knowing how to pick ripe fruit or going to the farmer's market and and talking with the folks there who are growing the food and just discovering different things that you may even like. I always tell people like, you know, what are the five, what are your five favorite fruits? And just start there. Like just get a, get a, a heap of those things that you really enjoy, that you really like, and just go crazy on eating those things and see where, where it puts you after the week. Because uh, I think, yeah, we have to be able to open up our, our, our mind a little bit as far as like what is capable and what are the possibilities? Because there's a million different ways you can cook these things, you can prepare these things, you can combine them even in their raw state, you know? I think uh, sauces, dips, and soups are gonna be the, the way that the road to veganism is paved because as long as you get a good sauce or a good dip with your with your food you can't go wrong mm. if you have a food that has a good sauce with it then there's yeah you are right where you need to be well i think what you're saying is excellent advice for everybody because it, you want to start where you are start with what you like so many people go okay i need the i need your meal plan i need the cookbook i need to figure out how to how to blanch kohlrabi something you've never eaten before in your life stop it don't stop ever that. start that <laughs> eat what you already like even if it's very limited just start there and the things that you know you can't give up or you know you can't tolerate don't worry about those this week don't just punt that one for a little right. bit right hmm. yeah so I, true. And, yeah and so fruits yeah i wasn't really a fruit person until i went vegan and then i think um i think your taste buds actually change a tremendous amount they get much more acute and you really enjoy things like fruit much more yeah yeah i agree too i think you know I, I, in some ways, our, our the system that we live in and the society that we live in, when it comes around food, I think it's kind of corrupted our taste buds in a way because we associate more in different types of candy with fruit than we do with the with fruit itself. A lot of people are like, "Well, I don't, I don't like anything grape, not grape soda, grape candy, grape," because I'm just <laughs> They don't, they just got a bad taste in their mouth from some artificial crap that they've been eating. So now everything grape is off the table mm. or it's the opposite where people get so 
hooked on the artificial where they've never even had a mango, but they love mango soda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, tell me, we're getting to something a little, a little darker, this idea of how our food's produced and everything. What makes a vegan audience laugh or listen? What, what, where do you get a connection when you're talking to a vegan audience? Oh, well, I think because like what you've mentioned in the beginning, uh, we get this bad rap or being too serious or not having a sense of humor or, or just, you know, it's maybe in some way just being militant around food to where it just sucks the energy out the room. And now people are scared to walk by you with their ribs because they think you're going to say something or slap the plate out of their hand. So one of the things that resonated with the vegan crowd was that they were just so happy to have someone speak to them in a comedic fashion about what we go through because it's not a lot of that. Now, I have plenty of colleagues who have anti-vegan jokes. You know, they're quick to talk about, oh, vegans are this and vegans are that, da 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 And, you know, people laugh and the crowd is there because everybody's there are, is eating body parts. So they feel like we're all on the same chord on this. So um, what I just recognized was that people kept telling me, man, your set was so good. And I resonated with all the stuff that you're talking about as far as veganism and my, my point of view and some of the jokes that I was doing. It was just something that was refreshing to a vegan audience. I think the main thing that allows me to connect with them is that, yeah, we are all experiencing the same type of effects as far as like from family, from friends, going out in public, because it still is tough. Like there are things that are still, even though I'm, I mean, even right now I'm living in Los Angeles and there's a plethora of vegan options, but there still is times where if you go to a restaurant that's vegan friendly, it's like, well, are they going to cross contaminate? Do they really fully care? Like, are the people in the kitchen just really nonchalant with the ingredients and what they're making and even how the business is run at large, are they just, you know, saying things are vegan and they're not? I, I was at a restaurant in San Diego uh, last year and I was doing a show with some friends. We go to this Thai restaurant and on the menu, on the menu, it says vegan Thai iced tea. And I'm like, cool, I love Thai iced tea. So I ordered the vegan Thai iced tea. And thank God at the time where we were sitting, you can see directly into the kitchen. So as she's preparing this uh, vegan Thai iced tea, she's using half and half creamer. And uh, she comes back over with it. And I was like, uh, I'm sorry, but that, that half and half isn't vegan you know, and she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, well, there, there's milk in it. Do you have any other, like you have coconut milk or you have almond milk or any other way to to make this Thai tea? And she, she was like, no. So I'm like, why is this even on the menu? Why was it called vegan? As such? <laughs> right, yeah. and, and, and you're in the kitchen using creamer and it's, and it's not vegan. So yeah. I think stuff like that, that uh, it's not fully like, 
we need this entertainment. We need more discussions around it because there's people who who are making our food who I think look at us as like, well, there it's a choice to be vegan. So they're not really at in any harm's way if if I cross contaminate them or it's a it's it's a spiritual decision. It's for the animals. And in that way, I think they look at us as like, oh, well, they'll be okay. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You know, it's just a choice that they're making. It's optional. And it's not going to physically hurt them like mm. a gluten allergy or it's not going to physically. And I do get physically sick. My stomach does hurt. I do get headaches when I accidentally eat something that I'm not typically supposed to eat. And it's just due to, I I would say, like a lack of knowing and a lack of respect just for our decision making, because some people just really don't know. And that is also no excuse for them doing what they're doing just because they don't know. But also it's just like, there's not enough information. There's not enough advocacy. There's not enough, there's not enough fun. There's not enough playfulness. I think having such a, a weird undertone of like, you can't eat meat. You can't do that. You shouldn't eat, you know, cows and pigs people have this shoulder shrug well i'll show you hmm. you know and they're like well i'll show you oh well you think you're not eating meat well did you taste the stuff that i gave you yesterday <laughs> you know it's just like people are looking to trying to get one over on you you know just because you have made the decision to not eat uh animals you know so i think it's it's, it's definitely about like us just finding ways to be more clear and present our our square where we stand and making it accessible to where it's like no we don't have just one type of attitude towards veganism and towards you know our surrounding but we do want to have our space to eat as we choose regardless if i'm going to your restaurant or i'm going to the grocery store I want things to be properly labeled. I want things to be farm in a constructive manner. And if I'm asking for something without a particular ingredient, I don't need you in the back saying, well, I'll show you. Mm. Well, Marcus, I think what you're saying also is reminding me how comedy is such an effective way of activism because many times in our community, the vegan community, it's a bit of a closed uh, feedback loop. The same people are hearing the same information. We're on the same websites. We're reading the same books, listening to the same people. And so we're getting all this information and it's not spinning into the rest of the world the same way. And the way that comedians of color, comedians of different body sizes, feminist comedians, uh, LGBTQ uh, comedians have really opened up the world to other people who didn't really know people like that, who didn't really have a sense of what they're dealing with and what's going on with them. Uh, so it's. I think vegan comedy is certainly going to have, have its hands full, but it is a really in a, a way that we know works. It gets through to people. Yes, yes, totally, totally. It is, it is, comedy is such a form of activism. And that's kind of what I was sparked with at that uh, Comedy for the Animals show and how like this this woman Casey had came up to me 
after the show and she was uh, an older elderly woman and she is silent as well and I believe she's silent by choice so she speaks sign language and I think for the past 20 years she hasn't spoken so she comes up to me after the show and she's repeating my jokes in sign language the ones that she really enjoyed and I almost probably could have cried right then and there because she's just cracking up she's showing me in signs and I can understand her she's like I can read her lips and she's like you know being very simple with how she's presenting it and I was just like taken aback from that because yes yeah, she has a similar type of situation where her family thinks that she's you know, hard to be around and she's stuck up and she's vegan and they can't, you know, talk to her and joke around with her. And they don't think she has a sense of humor. And it's like, no, you guys are just not being funny about the things that I want to be funny about in a, in a way that's constructive, you know? So um, that was really unique. And it, it, it definitely is a form of activism that could open up doors in a way that you know, I think a lot of people aren't fully aware of, but that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, I think that's wonderful. And I want to know now so I can respect your time. Uh, I'm sure you have a million places to be. So I want to make sure that we uh, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you'd like them to know about that's coming up for you. Okay, so yeah, uh, I have a LinkedIn on my page. You can find me on Instagram and as on Facebook as well. My full name is a easy way to to assess me. It's Stephen with the V, and my middle name is Marcus M A R C U S. My last name is Relly Ford R E L E F O R D. And uh, please reach out to me. Follow me on any of those social medias. And uh, we have a podcast, like we mentioned before, y'all had to be here. This tour will be going to Dallas next month. Yeah, as far as like what I'm doing right now, I'm in LA and I'm doing uh, monthly shows here in LA with a friend of mine, Jason Davis. So if you're in LA, uh, please come out to a show. We don't have a date for our next show, but we will uh, plan that out pretty soon. And I'm looking to do some more shows with, with comedy for the animals. Um, I guess this might be uh, the first time that I mention it, uh, you know, in public. But there's a good chance I can't fully say that it's it's in stone yet. But there's a good chance that myself and comedy for the animals will be le- linking up with Veggie Grill and doing some shows at the uh, Veggie Grill. California locations. So have you been to Veggie Grill? Is there a Veggie Grill on the East Coast? I don't know. I, I I don't think I've been to one, but I don't know where they are. Are they are they are they a California based company? So they it's a it's still a startup. Yeah, they're in California. They have 26 locations out here mm-hmm. and they have a couple of locations in New York, Seattle. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if they've made it down to Florida yet. But uh, we we may be going on a little mini tour where we go do stand up at their uh, store locations inside their restaurant. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds yeah. wonderful. They'd be very lucky to have you, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. 
So, so to keep up to like where you're performing, who you're performing with, whether you're in a veggie grill near, near us, um, they should go onto your Instagram or onto your link tree. What's the best way to get up to date information of where Stephen Marcus Relliford is? Yeah. My Instagram would be the best. Okay. Uh, Facebook as well. And then, uh, yeah, if you're interested in watching any of my comedy or seeing what I've been doing over the past couple of years, I have a YouTube channel, which is you can easily find through my full name as well. And I have loads of videos of comedy and sketches and little animations on there as well That's that are really fun. But I also uh, directed and wrote my first short film called Bucket. It's on YouTube and it's essentially based off of a low income ride share. So we call it Bucket and it's B-U-C-K hyphenate or dash I-T because it's like a buck. It's a, it's like only takes a dollar to take the ride <laughs> because it's basically a car that would not pass any inspection and it should not be on the road. But it's a cheap ride share offer then it's a cheaper offer than you Uber or, or Lyft or something like that. So we made a comedy sketch about that. And I also have a, a, a smaller podcast. It's only audio. It's all audio, but it's called the Vegan Chitlin Circuit. And that's probably the podcast that I'm the loosest on. <laughs> so I wouldn't recommend for any listeners who may not want to hear anything explicit, but... I'm probably the loosest on the vegan chitlin circuit just because I'm with two other comedians from New York. And uh, we're just talking about similar to y'all had to be here. We're just talking about the industry at large and how could we, you know, do better and whatnot. Well, so there's a, uh, you're a creative man and you're doing a lot of different things, have a lot of, and you're making your own party as we, as we said, right at the very yeah. beginning, you're making your own party. So I think the listeners are going to be happy to look for you. We're going to have all the show notes, all the links in the show notes, and we'll be linking to you from time to time. Uh, even after the um, podcast goes out, uh, we'll be linking to you on Instagram and, uh, reminding everybody about you and what you're up to. And we're looking forward to seeing where you go with vegan comedy. Thank you so much, Stephen Marcus Ford. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time out. I really love it. I can't wait to listen to it. A delight. It's really a delight. So, so, what did you think of Marcus? Stephen Marcus Ford is his full name. And my guess is you will be hearing a lot more from him and about him in the next couple of years. In the show notes, I will have links to well, to a lot of Marcus's work, but full disclosure, full disclosure, Marcus typically uses very, shall we say, informal language, informal language that you may want to listen to yourself before sharing with your kids or with listeners who are very sensitive about that sort of thing, or with young people who may not know when and where not to use uh, some of those words. So, so much fun to have a creative socially active young man like Marcus, reach out to be on Veg Your Best. And I so hope that he'll agree to come back in the future to keep us up to date. But you can, of course, find him all over the internet, including on his podcast, Y'all Had to Be Here, or as he calls it sometimes, YHTBH. Okay, so look for Marcus. Look for ways also to support and create 
mission-driven comedy in your part of the world. Look to support vegan performers, artists, businesses, creators, thought leaders. I mean, that's what we do here on Veg Your Best, right? We try to feature all the many ways each one of us can veg our best. So until next week, kids, veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.